We're back on the Exit 52 podcast. It is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by uh, two very good friends of mine. The, the, band is, the band is back together. The boys are back in town. It's Spencer Nathaniel Schultz, and it's Cole Jackson. Cole, Cole Nadian. How's it going, pal? Doing good, boys. I We were just talking off uh, about how long it's been um, since you guys got me drunk in Baltimore, and uh, I had to go home early. Um, but no, it's uh, we're doing good over here. We're doing good. Um, draft season was a grind this year, just hard to get into, but uh, you know, I'm looking forward to cutting it up with you guys. Yeah, it's funny because you almost sound like you're still hungover from that. You're battling some allergies. You're, <laughs> I feel like I am. Yeah, you're going through, <laughs> you're going through some shit right now with the, uh, with the old health there, but we appreciate yeah. you sticking it out. This is going to be your flu game, and we are here to talk draft. And Spenny is here as well. He's been super, super deep into it. But uh, I guess we can start off right off the right off the bat here with the fact that I was really not into it this year. I am always like I'm not nearly as deep into it with you guys, even in a, a good year. You love the I, stories. I love the storylines. I'm big into that kind of thing. And it feels like there hasn't there's not a ton of that even at the top of this draft. And then the the storyline aspect of it, as far as the Ravens go, there's only one story to track this offseason. And it has just been a complete hurry up and wait situation. And we all know what that is. And that hasn't changed recently. And it's probably not going to for the time being. So that's kind of where I've been just stuck in this sort of limbo. And I've had other things to occupy my attention of course so it's been fine but uh you know looking forward to next year maybe being a little bit more of a juicy kind of draft type things but this year didn't really do it for me definitely and right before we hopped on it was kind of the trifecta of suck the lamar jackson contract situation we're gonna be positive though i'm excited it's draft week i love the draft i still love it there's been horrible draft classes i love it every time i once once i hear mel kuyper for the first time i'm i'm my nipples are hard. I'm I love it. It gets me going every single time. Um, so I am fired up. I am excited. And it was like the the trifecta of suck. It was like the Ravens don't really have a lot of picks. Obviously, they don't have a second round pick. They have a what 63 pick lag. Uh, Lamar Jackson's contract situation clouded everything. I think Odell Beckham signing was like a grand light of entertainment and spark of something that felt positive and fun and fun to follow and press conferences and all that stuff. And then this draft class, I usually hate when people in the media are like, this draft class sucks and this isn't a deep class. And there's not like, I, I, I'm, if you've been listening long, you know that I love nothing more than being a contrarian. And I tend to agree. I think there's depth wow. in the running back position. Exactly. There's depth in the running back position. There's depth in the corner position. Then there's a lot of sketchy. If then players, if this, if they get into this system, then they can succeed. If they can develop this aspect of their game, then they can succeed. Um, I will start it out. I guess number one take is that like I'm going to give the most vanilla, no pepper, no salt, like cooked chicken take is that I love Will Anderson. I think he's the shining star of this draft class, um, 21 years old, and, and that's my my boy has been for over a year here. I'm, I'm huge on him. I think Christian Gonzalez is a stud. I think there is juice at the top, but then you just kind of run out. So overarching kind of just themes of this draft, the quarterbacks have stolen all of the media attention. Uh, it seems like Bryce Young's lined up to be the number one pick. I think he's like minus 1,500 on the, the gambling sites right now. And then after that, it's, it's going to be a, a series of mayhem. The Texans allegedly are picking a quarterback and aren't. And now all of a sudden, Will Levis's name is attached. And Tyree Wilson might be the number two pick. And then you know we got people saying that the Raiders are not going to let C.J. Stroud fall past seven. Anthony Richardson's a super polarizing prospect to many. Will Levis has had some horrible suck this past year, had some really nice moments before that. So 
I think those are kind of the headliners here, right? As we're, we're just kicking it off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, Will Anderson, that is a guy who, to me, does carry some name brand, some gravitas, but he has kind of seemed a little bit uh, a little bit of a sort of slam dunk to be up there at the top. Uh, Cole, what are your thoughts on kind of the very, the very top of things and the top of the proceedings? Because it has felt a little bit like ever since this trade has gone down, which was a big story between the Bears and the Panthers, Bears getting a very nice haul. Um Feels like Panthers obviously going to go QB, but is it Stroud? Is it Bryce Young? What are, what are your kind of your thoughts there with those two guys, and then the uh, the the rest of the top of the arc? Yeah, it's definitely a good example of where I put way too much into a YouTube video that their QB coach did. Um, uh, McCown. Oh, McCown. Oh, I kept thinking uh, future Texans head coach. Yeah, um, I kept, he put in that video on CJ Stroud and just absolutely loved him. So when they traded, I was like, oh, they're taking Stroud for sure. But I mean, those betting sites they. They're usually the way they are for a reason, right? So um, I kind of like the top quarterbacks, to be honest. Um, I don't really like Levis. Um, I think Benny makes a good point. Like, he looked horrid this year, but his O-line was so bad, and I've only caught that doing so many. I, I, I've watched more SEC D-linemen this year than I think I ever have. I don't know why. All the top guys are pretty much in the SEC. Um, but anybody that played Kentucky just absolutely shredded them. Uh, so that obviously plays into account, and he didn't look as bad last year. Um, Anthony Richardson's just fun. Um, anybody that drafts him, you're always going to have the, well, look how Lamar rounded out his game and to what he turned into, and he's just going to be fun. Like, there's, there's no way around it. Justin Fields was fun this year. Um, those are the types of guys he's going to be as a rookie. Um, I think, you know, different players moving forward, but as a rookie with the rushing upside, um, they're going to be, he's going to be fun. Whoever drafts him will be looking forward to an entertaining season. Um, so QBs, all top four of them. I mean, they're definitely first round quarterback prospects. There's no doubt about it. Um, Will Anderson's been such a weird storyline just because he could have come out last year and been, probably top five pick, um, you know, he's, he's a freak. And I don't think big thing with me is I don't think what he did at Bama just in the structure that they have on defense. I don't think he got to show his true pass rushing, um, you know, skill set. He wasn't, you know, bending the edge every play. He just wasn't right. Like you, was, you made the comp and congratulations. You got a bunch of awesome film content up at BaltimoreRavens.com. Great job. Super psyched. That was sick. And seeing your name pop up in the notifications on on uh, the Baltimore Ravens staff app is writer so cool. is that? Can we officially call you that now, staff writer, or are you guest writer? I'm just a guest writer. I'm uh, just a guy. That's kind of sick, though. Be, be, I'm just be, a guy watching football. You're you're the cam, you're the cameo shot in beer pong. You get to just pop in, drain one yeah. as you please, pop that's back it. out. <laughs> but um, your your comp of Will Anderson to T.J. Watt, I honestly never really thought about. And in that exact shift of playing that four eye, sometimes three, hand yep. in the dirt, apex, run defender, versus playing like a TJ Watt in a five-man front, playing a little bit wider technique, being able to stand, being able to vision the quarterback and get off the ball and force the quarterback to step up. We haven't seen that very much. Mm -hmm. So exactly right. I think asking him to do something outside of Saban's Ripledge structure, you can get a different result than what we saw last year from him. And he has, I mean, what, he has 32 sacks in the SEC over the last three years as a true junior. So, uh, love that. Second him. Alabama all-time to Derrick Brooks. Only two-time defensive team captain, if I'm not mistaken. Only true freshman day one starter defensively for Nick Saban, I think, in from their first national championship, something like that. So, yeah, I, I love that kid. Um, that clump to TJ Watt really came from the way 
he was playing against KJ Jefferson in Arkansas. Just I just remember Watt all the time, and a little bit different because Pittsburgh did a lot of mesh charges against Lamar. But like TJ Watt was one of the few edges that could go against a Veer concept and get out there in time to pause, read, and then tackle both both. the running back or the and he was doing it all the time against KJ Jefferson in Arkansas. And I was watching, and I was like, "Holy shit, this looks like Lamar against TJ Watt." And um, there, I mean, his his pass rush skill set is very similar. Um, you know, he's probably a little more bendy um, than Watt is, and I don't know if he's quite as physical with the inside moves. But uh, you know, I think he's the same type of run defender, and I think he's got that. He's got all pro upside. There's no doubt about it. Definitely. And then Tyree Wilson, I guess to kind of talk through him, I think is super interesting in the light of last year. We had Trayvon Walker come flying through like a, you know, an ultra light beam into the draft process and end up being the number one overall pick that, that blew people's minds. And now we're seeing that effectively, like it's the same thing. And now I think uh, Tyree Wilson is the odds on favorite for the Cardinals as things stand today to be that number two overall pick. And to me, you're looking at a player that, and kind of like Walker, he can do things that are very rare for the structure of your defense in terms of being able to play kind of a Sam position for being able to charge backside. If you put him on the backside, he can blow up any run concept from the backside. If you try and run away from him, he will come hunt you down. Super physical. The the tools, the frame, all of it are there. But he's an older prospect. We don't see a ton. Again, Trayvon Walker was a 21-year-old. Wilson's going to be 23. I think he, I think he might have gone through – it was at least five years in college – yeah, because he transferred. Um, yeah, at least five years in college. Then finally has his breakout year. So very interesting player. Um, I like him in the realm of like, I don't think Anthony Barr is a good comp for what Anthony Barr became in the NFL, but it's just kind of those those force players that do unique things. And he has the same kind of frame a little bit as Marcus Davenport, I would say. Uh, coming out, that's someone that he reminds me of a bit, but Davenport did feel like a more – capable pass rusher visioning and, and ending plays coming out. He was, it was different, you know, pl- playing at university of Texas, uh, San Antonio for, for Davenport, but, um, super interesting player. I just, I think if you're looking at him to go be a, a 15 sack guy and, and be that, you know, top miles Garrett type, I, I think that's not what he is, but could develop into being a really dominant. Yeah, I just, he's just hard to place. I don't know pass rush wise. Like I want to say like a Cam Jordan, but he's not built thick like that. He's built much more athletically. So weird player, weird body type, weird skill set that I think there's probably like nine coaches that would value him over any player in this draft. I feel like in their system for what he can do in the run game and probably being me and you talk Cole about probably being able to kick him inside, yeah. probably being able to get a ton from him on, on slants and loops and stunts and all that good stuff. So those two guys, I mean, are not making out of the top five. I guess we, we maybe went a little long here on, on that stuff, but it's going to be like quarterbacks, those two and weird players. Strikes me as a lovey Smith guy, to be honest. I don't, I don't think he'll go to Houston. I, th- I do think they'll go quarterback, but he really does scream lovey to me. Um, he's also an alien. Like he doesn't look like he's 270 pounds. I'm pretty sure at both. Yeah. He, he came in at, at his pro day at 274, um, which just like, he doesn't, He's so thin looking that it's weird. His, 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 he's got like the bodybuilder. Yeah. His hips are so tiny and his shoulders are so wide and his arms are so long. He like looks like a Madden creative player. It looks like he could be 305 and play like a 5'3 tech and he'd still be athletic as hell. Um, so there's a little bit of that tweener risk with him a bit. 
Um, but I, I, I think he'll find his way. He's just being older always is going to make me a little bit worried just because is that him maxed out physically? We'll see. Um, but, you know, bet on aliens and prosper. So definitely, definitely love to bet on aliens. Um, so, yeah, those guys, I guess, kind of I'm assuming quarterback, two quarterbacks and those two probably in the top five. Uh, then through this, I mean, that's really to me where it starts to get a little bit wonky, right? You got Christian Gonzalez, who I think has a super clean backpedal, you know, super clean cornerback prospect in many capacities. Then other than that, I mean, I don't know who I'm looking at at the top of the draft. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I think is a, easily a top 10 player, but you know, running back stuff, everybody gets into that. So we got, uh, uh, we got Chad Reuter having Bijan selected uh, eighth overall by the Atlanta Falcons in his mock draft from a, seen that a few times. All, like all draft process. I feel like that's kind of been a steady, steady spot. I saw and an interesting thing that I saw. I can't remember who tweeted it. I think it was like one of the weird, very smart football people that I follow that has like 1100 followers and just tweets random things. But he was just they saying like the like, NFL shield is their profile picture or like, something yeah, like it's like something from the 1970s or something obscure. And he was saying there was an argument. I think it was one of the PFF gentlemen saying like they have uh, Tyler Algier who ran for, you know, a thousand yards last year. But the guy was like, yeah, but you're going to get mad if Tyler Algier becomes a player that the Falcons pay. They're like, so you're saying this late round player that doesn't have the dynamic skill set, then you're going to later say, okay, but don't pay Tyler Algier either. Okay. Also, what happens if Tyler Algier, you know, obviously running backs a dime a dozen, whatever. I do agree with the, especially in this draft class, but I mean, Algier is not a receiver in that capacity. And, and if he were to get hurt, you know, I would rather have Bijan Robinson in a, if they are going to roll with Desmond Ritter and who knows, man, that the Falcons are I, this is the first time it's hitting me. Like they're not going to take a quarterback if there's one if one falls in their lap. Like I I don't know I don't know. Falcons are a weird spot there, and that's right where the draft gets weird. Is right around the Falcons, in my opinion. Yeah. Even I think Seattle's weird. Just having two firsts, honestly, Detroit too. Because when you have two firsts, like you can get two a competitive weird, teams right? that both have two firsts. So, Seattle I mean, having like, two firsts. That is that is. It just absolute ammunition for comedy. Like if I've ever seen it, like when the, those guys in the first round are just always the, some of the most fun picks you've ever seen in, in a weird way. And also a you're way. Get a stud following because they're going above you to get the quarterback. So if the four quarterbacks go before, then one of those two free pass rushers falls cool. Or you just maybe say, screw it. Goff isn't the guy we want Levis to sit for a year. Like you, you just get, and then you still have 18. Like it's not even a late first. It's a mid first. Um, and what did Seattle have? 20, 20? Yeah, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Five and 26 and 18. So they're, they're basically in the exact same position. Yeah, that's crazy. Both competitive, both could use a quarterback, both have quarterbacks that are more than serviceable. But, you know, I, that's why I think Richardson for either of those teams, it's like a fucking perfect spot. That's what where- I, yeah. You don't have you don't feel an inkling to have to start him. He can work on all the things, getting experience you want him to. And then there's pieces in place: the Lions' offensive line, uh, the Seahawks' explosive receivers, all those things. And you can still add because of those other picks. So they can. I mean, geez, those teams could end up with you know three top thirty picks as well, very mm-hmm. easily. They could end up moving up or something crazy. So that's where the parity of the draft really is, I guess. Yeah, starting with that um, that six spot. The Raiders apparently very strongly linked to C.J. Stroud and have been, uh, aside from the Panthers' smoke of them wanting Stroud, 
which has turned right into Bryce Young. So um, then from there, man, once you get out of that top 10, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's kind of a free fall. I mean, I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. I love Nolan Smith. Uh, Paris Johnson, I think, is a, a really nice tackle, you know, athletically that probably you can talk yourself into top 10-wise uh, quite easily. But, man, that's where shit gets messy. Yeah, it's interesting. that So in this Reuter mock draft, he's got the Ravens, and we don't have to get all the way up to them, but you mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he, he has them taking him there at 22 to join up with OBJ and Bateman and Nelson Aguilar, which I think that would kind of be the, I mean, Ravens Twitter would be very happy. I think it would be a, an interesting fit. I've, I you know, even not following the draft a ton this year. Obviously, I know Jackson Smith and Jigba after that big, uh, big Rose Bowl performance. I believe that was two years ago. Yep. Um, so yeah, that will be that will be intriguing to me. But I guess before we get up to that, who are who are you kind of expecting to start flying off the board? If you had to guess, you know, worst case scenario, best case scenario throughout that you know teens period where it's going to kind of start to heat up for Ravens fans a little bit. What are you guys expecting to happen? I think JSN comes off the board before like 17, 18. Uh, I think that's kind of the low end of where I think he goes. I'm, I think Nolan Smith is kind of just like a de facto player that someone's going to be like, shit, we'll take the incredible freak athlete, stick him on the outside of the defense. You know, you know that you have a technically that's sound a pick. Right. That would be super fun. Um, yes. And someone's going to take him. Skaronsky to me could be, I don't know, wouldn't be surprised to see him be the first offensive lineman off the board. Wouldn't be shocked if he's third, uh, maybe fourth. It depends. I feel like Broderick Jones, top 15 type player. Paris Johnson, like I said, top 15 type player. So um, I like Darnell Wright a lot. Very, 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 very much so. Super high. Someone that I, I'll talk about for the Ravens in a little bit. I, I would love to get your thoughts on him as well, Cole, of course. But um, those are the kind of guys I'm looking at there. And this cornerback class kind of feels like some wide receiver classes from the last couple of years where it's like, okay, there's so many good ones. They're, they're going to get pushed down the board, and then they simply don't is my feeling. Like I think Joey Porter Jr. is such a good fit for Pete Carroll for, for a lot of the cover three type defenses. I think that uh, Emmanuel Forbes is super intriguing for a team like the Ravens, for teams that, that really value the, the high IQ from the stem. Um, and then – uh, Brian Branch throwing him into that mix, and um, all these all these corners. Deontay Banks, man. I mean, the the Marlon Humphrey comp gets thrown out. I, I like. I don't know if you did this, Cole, but Byron Jones from Miami, another one that intrigues me. I, I see a very similar player there with the explosive athleticism, the vertical yeah. plane, the jumping ability, all that stuff. Uh, some of the physicality. Well, he's not. You know, I don't think he's as physical as a Marlon Humphrey, but an uber physical player. And man, I, I feel that was like my tough one with that comp actually was the physicality. Like it's not that Banks is soft. I'm not saying that, but he's not, it's not physical, right? Like he's not, I, I also, I really worried about just, it, it's like he didn't trust how fast he was. So he'd flip his hips way too early in, in a route. And then if they were just breaking off an in-breaking route or an out-breaking route, he was just, he couldn't recover because he'd already flipped. And it's like, he didn't trust if he had to recover, but yet he can run four, three. So it was, he was a weird watch for me. I had really Forbes kind of trusts his hips a little bit to, to it's go. It's weird recover. because Jacorian Bennett was the exact same way. And so I was like, I don't know, maybe it's just the coaching at UMD. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but that, that really stood out with both of those players to me. So I think, 
I think the I think that kind of is the worst case. I, I'm of the school of thought. I do think there's a very strong possibility the Ravens have a handshake deal on Rocky Sin. Um, I don't I want to get all the way to to um, to the Ravens quite yet, but I see in that range, like you asked, Jake, a lot of corners coming off the board up until the Ravens pick. Then the other interesting guys in there, I would say, are Lucas Van Ness. Uh, he he could go anywhere, in my opinion. Tight end wise, I don't know. It's a strong tight end class, probably the best in five years. But yeah. I just struggle. Like, there's no Kyle Pitts type guy. There's no freak where it's like I have to spend a top fifteen pick on this tight end. I can't let him. You know what the tight end class reminds me of? Because you just said it. it. There's two centers in this class, and I could see both of them ending up being top five centers in the game. And that's how I feel about the tight ends. And so it's like. Almost that you don't usually see that position drafted high. So either someone's going to take one stupidly high that nobody saw coming, or they're going to go in the second round. The big names, the big names you get, I think, are Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, who I've been familiar with for a lot of years, and he's he's an awesome player. But uh, yeah, as far as like pro projection, it's kind of like I think his ceiling would probably be Mark Andrews, which is great. But I mean, you know, how how does that fit with certain teams? Like, you know, I'm not totally sure. Also kind of looks like Spenny a little bit, I think, which is a he's, big compliment. He's a, little, he's a little bit more like, I don't know, he he's, looks like uh, Chris Evans, if, like Chris Evans melted a little bit in the market. He looks like, he looks like Josh <laughs> Duhamel like 20 years ago. I, I, I love it. Um, but yeah, the, just not, I love Darnell Washington. I feel like Where's he going to go? I want to say like 35 is okay. my guess. Yeah. I want to say he's like a top so teams teams watch night one unfold and they're like, all right, let's go get this gigantic titanium person to add into our. That was the know, big joke during the national championship game. Was here's the Ravens' first round pick. Exactly, and he's a stud. I love him. Uh, I think he gets a little bit too much flack for what he does in drive blocking and stuff. Like people say he's overrated in that aspect, but I think I haven't seen a college tight end like a Y that is as athletic as him that moves bodies that way in the SEC in in years. So. You know, does he have his, his moments? I think that's the biggest area of growth of any position quickly, I would say, is college tight ends, especially ones that don't get used in line a ton, getting better in the run game, I think is the biggest like testament and happens. Maybe it's maybe the Ravens make me think that a touch more, but I think the the blocking jump is super high in the NFL and tight ends pick up their ability to block in training camp, their rookie year, or they die. Like and I think a lot of them do get it relative to to what how little they're asked of in a lot of places in college. So tight end class, very interesting. Uh, a lot of really Seattle getting him. I, that would be a good fit. 37. That'd be a good fit. I like That's that. That's an interesting one. I don't, then I don't there's think like, they're there's in all the super athletic tight ends. Later in the draft, I mean, there's there's Laporta out of Iowa, who's a stud athlete, 6'3", 245, can fly, breaks a shitload of tackles. I think he broke 20 tackles last year. Musgrave out of Oregon State, he can fly. There's yeah. so many guys that run 4'6 in this class, it is absurd. There's like nine. The kid out of Old Dominion runs 4'5 and is 6'7 and has ball skills. Like, there are so Will Mallory ran 4'5", 4 at 240. Like, there are so many athletic big slot guys in this class. So I think that picks the receiver class up in terms of the pass catchers, but this is going to be a good fan. Like in three years, that's, that's a take I want to have in three years. This draft will like 
be a large part of fantasy football for tight ends, like production-wise. There's a lot of guys that are going to be catching five, six, seven touchdowns, 40, 50 passes, six, seven, 800 yards. So like this tight end class a lot. Um, hopefully one goes before the Ravens pick. So that would be fantastic, maybe two. And ta- we need all the old linemen going because I, I like we'll get we'll get into Darnell Wright later, but uh, you know if they can get the three tackles, Skronsky, maybe Osiris Torrance is a surprise one. But if you get those five old linemen going before twenty two, um, I think you're sitting in a good spot in terms of someone falling. Four quarterbacks, four offensive linemen, and minimal right. minimal corners. Say Gonzalez and maybe one more. I think you're you're sitting pretty. How teams manage this corner class is going to be really interesting just because it's like anytime you have depth, right? It's do you take the top guy or is the guy you get in the second round who, yeah, he's CB6, but he's also really highly rated because it's such a deep class that they're not a typical class of CB6. So do you just wait it out? Um, so how teams yeah. manage that? Is There's some of the flavors too, I feel like. Of corner, and I've, we haven't mentioned Witherspoon, who's completely escaped my mind. Gonzalez and Witherspoon couldn't be more opposite of one another. Like, exactly. it's, it's insane. It's like if you put them together, they're Deion Sanders, <laughs> but it's it's like Deion or uh, Deion. Uh, Witherspoon doesn't have the athleticism. Gonzalez isn't quite as instinctual of a football player. Um, that not really a knock. Like, I still think they're top dogs in the deep class. It's like both of those guys. Like Witherspoon is athletic, but not in his fluidity the way that Gonzalez exactly. is and Gonzalez doesn't obliterate souls the way that not even close to what Witherspoon does. So um so then you have the ball hawk, the freak and Emmanuel Forbes. Like it's such an interesting corner class. Like there's kind this of is like, like the lightest draft class. Emmanuel Forbes brings up that point. This is like the lightest draft class ever. The receivers, the corners, like some of the edges as well. Even like Will Anderson's, you know, two like two fifty was like, oh my God, yeah. he's huge. And it's like that's not what used to be the standard. So Fat is at a, an absolute minimum in this class. Is a Clemson cornerback going to live up to the hype for the first time ever? Yeah. <laughs> Who, Trayvon um, Mullen? <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, well, you know, but Andy yeah, Booth, so I guess that kind of gets McKenzie us through, you know, those, those teams. Go ahead. I was just saying that's that. That was the longest way to answer your question. That gets us through the teens. That was your question. Okay. Good. Yeah. Listen, and I, that's that's what I'm going for. I'm trying to just throw out these generalities. I'm just trying to get the trying to get pucks on nets here. I'm trying to cycle the puck. You know, talking to my guy down there. I'm trying to trying to get him uh, get him involved here. Um, so yeah, that that gets us through the teens, like you said. And the Ravens in an interesting spot. Twenty two. They've been here before, you know, they've been in the teens before too, but this is kind of usually, you know, probably about on average where I would say they find themselves early twenties, initial thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens picking at 22 Cole. Ah, it's a, it's, it's so, I, I, I can see them having a couple of, so originally I was like five picks trade back, right? It just makes sense. And then I started really looking back through some of their drafts and there's just so many examples where they had lighter picks and they did trade back to kind of recoup. And I'm like, fuck, they skipped over like a stud right there. And so um, it was actually the lounge podcast that I was listening to. They were talking about like the last, they've had like two drafts in franchise history where they've made six or less picks. One was 09 where they went or Webb and Kruger, uh, Kruger, 
web switch. Um, and then in 99, when they had McAllister and uh, two other studs, it was only four picks. So it's kind of like when they've had lesser picks, they've just kind of stuck, went with the quality pick. Um, so I really do think they're going to stick and pick because I do think someone falls. Um, so, you know, it really depends. Like one of the guys that gets talked about a lot, um, and I know Spenny's pro him too, is Brian Branch. And he's going to be a polarizing guy because you're going to look at the, 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 the draft guide that you're reading and it's going to say safety and everyone's going to freak the fuck out. Um, but it's just not how he was used, just like it wasn't how Kyle Hamilton was used. And it took people seeing Kyle Hamilton play 17 games um, to, to truly understand how he was going to be used. Brian Branch is a very similar situation, different type of player. Um, but I, I really think the way they draft and the way they prioritize getting the best player available, like if you look around, like Brugler has Brian Branch 17th. Um, LZ had him like 19th. Like they, everybody has him as a top 20 player in this class. You look through what the scouts are saying in the Feldman article that just came out. Nobody has a bad thing to say. Everybody thinks he's going to be good. Um, you know, maybe you have split safeties with Brian Branch and Marcus Williams. Maybe you have two slots in Hamilton and Brian Branch. There's so much you can do. And how it helps your corner room when they have someone like Yasin, um, kind of with that wink-wink, nudge-nudge deal, we'll sign you after the draft. There's your outside corner. Now you can go and make that move. So he's a name that just comes back as a that's so Ravens pick. Um, so that's really where my head's been going a lot lately. Um, I, I could see receiver. I would be surprised. Um, you know, I try not to put too much stock into this because I obviously they're not going to always show their hands, but you know, I was reading back through transcripts and like when Eric DeCosta was asked about the edge class, for example, and he's like, well, Will Anderson's there. Of course we're going to draft him. That and joke they, was used by, I'm not kidding, at least five different GMs. Yeah. And so like, uh, like, it, but, but he didn't, I didn't feel any sort of urgency. And then when I was listening to the director of college scouting, which was in that same podcast on the lounge, you know, he really talked a lot about mid round wide receivers. And again, like he's not going to tip his hand. Like I'm not saying, but it just started making me feel like it's going to be a DB of some sort, like probably a corner or a prime branch. And that's really where I feel they're going to go. I think that's how the board's going to fall for them. And I think it's going to be one of those things where it's a BPA move and it's out of position of need. I think that the question, I think they're in the most unique position they've really been in, obviously in DaCosta's tenure as GM but in, in a long time. And the question I think that they might have asked themselves a while ago was like, I th- it, maybe it's me overthinking the Odell Beckham deal, and that's like, that was their incredibly aggressive move. Like, that was the 100, oh my God, they used a bunch of void years. They, you know, he's old, he's going to be 31, he's got a bad knee, screw it. But I think you ask yourself, do we force ourselves to take an offensive player and don't care? Like if, if we can't trade back, do we, cause it's, of course it takes two to tango. Maybe they hit the jackpot. Someone wants to trade up ahead of the Vikings, get hooker or someone else drops, whatever. And slightly overpays. You get another top 50 pick and like another third rounder or something, whatever. But I feel like they are going to take an offensive player because they don't want any questions about having enough firepower or enough offensive talent again. And I think they might buck their typical stick and pick, you know, BPA just a hair and cut it through. But I think that's why Brian Branch is a fun one because it's like, 
is if his grade is so much higher than that strategy, they probably in all likelihood from everything they've ever told us, they'll go back to their old ways and and take that BPA. They can go play the the kind of yin and yang with Kyle Hamilton up the seams, especially against two by two formations. Can blitz, can do all those fun things. Just adds another layer of that. Um, and again, the I'm guessing that the Ravens and I, I say it all the time. People call me, you know purple, uh, whatever the phrase is, purple patrol and all that stuff. But I think that they tell the truth so often that when they don't, we like freak out like the Rashad Bateman injury thing last year, whatever. But Harbaugh was like, yeah, we have 20 like starting corners in this class. He said something along those lines. And one of them, he was like, there's 20 guys that we really like to come in and compete in the corner class or something. And to me, I think that screams rock us in. And I think it screams we're going to pick one in the third round. And there's a starter we can get in the third round. And there's probably three, four guys we think can probably start in the third round. So I think they do pick an offensive player. I think the most interesting possible outcome is, of course, Bijan Robinson. I don't think he's there, simply put. I, I think he easily goes top 20 in this class, especially in such a weak class, especially when there are teams that are super competitive that are picking with another team's pick. Um, so, you know, now the Eagles are out now. They just traded for Derrick Henry, which I think was like the quickest, quickest blockbuster in terms of like Twitter traction ever. Like, Wait, it was like what? the Eagles traded for Derrick Henry. When was that official? I thought it was. Am I insane? No, I saw like rumors about it, but I don't think it's been confirmed yet. Oh, I thought I thought I saw Adam Schefter tweet it. Am I stupid? Maybe I'm stupid. Okay, I thought that officially happened. Maybe I was having a dream. I, I was sitting here like, what, Derek Hent? Am I thinking I of saw, a different I think Akbar <laughs> Bajabia Miller was talking about it um, early in the week. For some reason, I thought it was like completely confirmed. Strike, strike that from the record. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Edit that. Wow. <laughs> there, was my, there was my all-time blunder. I genuinely thought that already actually fully happened. Anyway, so... That is a super interesting pick to me. Someone that brings explosive elements to the football team now and, and probably in year two, three. I know people hate that. Uh, I think we had Matt Miller. Someone tweeted out today and was like, there's going to be more first-round running backs than receivers this year possibly, um, which would be two probably, meaning that receiver gets pushed down. But uh, the guy I keep kind of coming back to, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone. Quinton Johnston, I love the workout videos of him working on his hands and all that stuff, but he's, he's a giant house cat. Um, the, the yak stuff to me, he, he's like a souped up, he's a souped up LaVisca Chenault that like, he's plays uh, like a house cat. Set. He's the guy that I was wondering about because I, I do think, and I guess to your, to your original thing about get one in, wanting a little bit of a monologue here. Like I am feeling it in my plums that it's going to be an offensive player and a skill player at that. And it might be Bijan, but I, I think I'm with you and that I expect him to be gone. I do think they're looking hard at wide receiver. I think they're just, and they, they, we, they got themselves in the, into this position, but I think they're tired of hearing about it, and I think they're tired of dealing with it. I think Odell Beckham, the signing, and the numbers that we saw on that was an indication of just how sick they are of it. And with the fact that they don't really have a ton of other really pressing needs, you could certainly say cornerback, but, you know, Brandon Stevens is there in a pinch. Rocky Sin, maybe you do have some kind of a deal with him. You could point to Edge, I think, as well, but there are also some players there. I think receiver is still a need, and it wouldn't shock me if... You know, one of those guys, if, you know, it seems like some of them are going to be there uh, to be taken and maybe it won't be a JSN, maybe it'll be somebody else. Um, but Quentin Johnson, I was curious about because when you look at the height of this receiver room right now, 
I don't think any of them are over six feet. Am I wrong on that? Uh, so Quentin Johnson, They're, like the tallest, is like just over six feet. Probably. Yeah. So Quentin Johnson, intriguing to me in, in that regard. But I've only I only really watched him throughout TCU. I believe he plays at five nine though. Yeah, exactly. So I only really watched him at TCU's playoff run. I don't remember thinking like, wow, this guy is like AJ Green. But it's like, hey, at least he looks big. So I don't know if you can- yeah, just on the on because that's been a big thing. I don't really like when they get into the red zone. Munkin used a ton of twelve. They have likely, they have Andrews. I'm not overly concerned about the size. I actually think getting OBJ, just with his ability, him and both him and Bateman to play, the X play the Z, both can play the slot. I think they put themselves in a position to draft a slot, um, which it made me think it could line up well to go receiver because Zay Flowers, probably a slot. Jordan Addison, Z slot. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that are going to be those those dudes at 22, um, they're those they're those guys that'll probably play to the slot at the next level. Um, I'm a lot higher than the consensus on Josh Downs. I know nobody really sees him as the pick at 22. I do think he's a first round wide receiver, um, but again, another slot guy. I think he's like five eight two. Um, so just like with the lack of size before OBJ, I would have been like, no way. Like they need a guy that can play outside specifically. But adding OBJ makes it more likely that even though they would have probably the league lowest average of height on a, on a wide receiver group. I think that's mitigated a bit by your, you have three really good tight ends, three guys that you're going to want to get involved. Um, and I think with just the speed, the quickness, the type of offense that Munkin's going to probably put together with a bit more of a spread concept, um, Lamar's speed in the red zone, that sort of thing. I think you could go smaller and not feel like you're going to get bullied when you get out there. So, um, you know, uh, you know, I, it's kind of been weird because I did see that tweet. I think everybody sees Smith, Smith and Jigba as a, as a first rounder. Like, I think that's kind of a consensus. Um, but then there's all that buzz about Zay Flowers as a top 20 guy in this class. So it's like, but then like, you know, it's, there might only be one receiver taken in the first round. It's kind of been, those those are pretty polar yeah, Ravens, opposites. Uh, Ravens also quote unquote glued to Zay Flowers hip at the senior bowl or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because I think if you wanted to go the slot flavor, you're going to go 22 and go wide receiver and do exactly what you guys are saying. If they feel they need the bigger body, um, and I completely agree with Jake, like that's definitely a way they could go, and there's a ton of sense in that. Um, then you have kind of that cluster of guys that you know might be there at 86. They might all be gone, but you got like Mingo, Tillman, uh, Rice, like A.T. Perry, like – Xavier Hutchinson, like those are kind of five guys that would be that third round type group. But it really depends on when the wide receiver run starts. If they start to drop, then maybe those guys drop into the third. Um, or maybe there's this huge second round run. I think like six wide receivers went in the second round last year. Um, and a lot of guys that people felt were reaches like Tyquan Thornton, nobody really saw that coming in the second round. So um, it's, it's just interesting because, you know, what type of flavor do they think they want for the wide receiver room? And I can see them going big physical prototypical X, or I could see them going slot, smaller guy. We don't really care about the size. Um, so I, I, which is a good spot to be in because they can really play the board. They can see how things fall, um, and not feel like they need to go reach. Like, you know, when they felt they needed a tight end in 2018 and went and got 35 year old Hayden Hurst. It's interesting, and it's like of these receivers, they all. And you mentioned that, like down. We talked about Johnson. Johnson is gigantic. He he kind of reminds me of Marquez Valdez Scanling with more yak ability, um, and that's a that's a good receiver. Like Marquez Valdez Scanling is a good receiver that has a role that helps your team. 
Then Josh Downs and Zay Flowers are five foot nine and five foot nine. Uh, Zay Flowers is going to be a 23 year old, five foot nine, 180 pound receiver. And he plays like Quentin Johnston should play. Downs plays like Quentin Johnston should play. Um, it's, it's tough to me. I think it really does come down to, to probably in my head, at least flowers versus Addison. And again, I, I think the prism is who makes this offense best today, this year now. And I think both of them have elements that they bring offensively. Zay flowers should be kind of like what Devin Duvernay should have been in terms of being able to throw him screens, being able to do jet sweeps. You can use him like that. And he is a brick shit house. He is nasty. He has juice after the catch, put the ball in his hands, makes plays. He can track deep. He's tiny. He has tiny little arms, tiny little catch radius, but he'll go up and get the ball with everything he's fucking got. Downs, same kind of thing. Will go up and get the ball. Or excuse me, I meant to say, talk about Addison instead. Awesome. Addison to me is completely different in the sense that he runs a full advanced NFL tree today, yeah. now, immediately. And I think the best... I don't love this logic, but I think the, the, the most apropos logic, if you want to go receiver, you want to go offensive, Bijan's gone, you know, you're not going to take an offensive lineman. If I am to lose Bateman or Odell, who can give me what I wanted from one of them most similarly? To me, that's Addison because he will go run. He played Z last year a ton. He played on the ball last year uh, as well. He's played in the slot. He can go inside, outside. He works back to the football. He catches the ball outside of his frame. He tracks the ball deep well. He's just not a uh, – it's not like he you – know, Jalen Hyatt, I, I like in a lot of ways, but he has no juice after the catch. Addison can make plays after the catch as well. I think he's a nice, almost Goldilocks, somewhere like a poor man's Devontae Smith and like a smaller Perfect, Calvin yeah. Ridley. Like he yeah. will – win he will find soft spots he will do what he's supposed to do he's played in two different systems he's young he broke out early for all that breakout age stuff that fantasy people like and leads to success like i think that's probably who i i end up saying that i think the ravens pick is is probably addison i think jsn's off the board and of those guys like i think johnston has a tremendous upside for sure um i think that zay flowers can be an explosive firecracker and, and maybe he does turn towards kind of like a Steve Smith type player. Uh, but that's, that's kind of betting on an outlier a little bit for me, but Addison's young. He is complete. He is balanced and he kind of solves at the same time, the issue of, okay, well, what if you don't have Odell next year? What if Bateman can't stay healthy? Then you've got like a good ready receiver to come in that could probably easily catch 60 balls somewhere and, and feel comfortable. So I, I, I'm like peeking on him late. Like I loved him for th throughout his time in Pittsburgh. And now I come back, like I kind of threw this process. Like, eh, he is 170. He is, you know, not super physical in his game. But then now I just come back. I'm like, he's ready today. I think he's the most ready other than JSN. And, and even maybe in comparison with JSN, who hasn't played a lot of football in the last year to, to go in and catch passes. But um, I, I, I don't know. Does that feel like a – it feels like a double. It feels like a good double for today and for tomorrow. But you can talk yourself into any one of these receivers, and if there's something specific, um, you know, Hyatt, again, I think is intriguing and, and maybe ends up sneaking into the first round. But he just – if he could do something after the catch, I'd love him. That's, that's what my final conclusion is there. So I don't know. I, I think the Ravens go offensive and take one of those guys. I think, Jake, you're exactly right. Like they told us they were going to do it. They already got OBJ. 
Bateman's pissed off in a good way, I think, and relieved that they don't have Roman anymore. So go go revamp the room all the way and take someone who's ready to help today. Yeah, I mean, Rashad Bateman can be pissed off all he wants, but and he's unfortunately part of this through no fault of his own. But, you know, talk about hitting a double. With this position, they have continuously struck out or, like, at very best, just reached on one, just put it in the dirt and just absolutely hauled ass and barely ran out a single that was probably an error, you know, with, like, Devin DuVernay, for example. Like, they just... It hasn't been there, and uh, we talk about this every single year, I think, to varying degrees. I think 2021... Um, there was definitely a fever pitch and that led to them signing Watkins and drafting obviously Bateman and then Wallace. And, you know, obviously they've haven't really worked out or worked out to differing degrees. It's still a problem. It's going to continue to be a problem until it's not a problem. And the deck, the deck is stacked against them and you know, they're kind of here of their own volition. They, they didn't invest in it nearly enough over the course of three, almost three decades at this point. And it's just, it's time to get with the times a little bit and if the opportunity presents itself, I hope they jump at the chance on Thursday night. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. Um, I think, you know, I, I do think I'm, I'm less worried about the size, I will say. Um, that's that's come up a lot with these guys. Just Matt Harmon, quickly to interrupt you, Matt Harmon yeah. of Yahoo Sports, my favorite receiver, pass game content guy on the internet. Players love him. Everybody loves him. Did a huge Excel sheet of outcomes based on size and oh, yeah? said there's no cor- no correlation it was, i think he released it literally today he's like it's just in today's game it's it's kind of one of those old school biases that have stuck around and and, and certainly the, like it's kind of like when everyone's like well we need a, a jump ball receiver for fade roots in the red zone and it's like i just said root and i know you're gonna say something um so let's just shut up uh how many times a game do you actually see that in a, and i'm not just talking a ravens game in an nfl game how many times have you actually seen three that? per game? You see like, one red zone it, it, jump ball. Sure. Like you need size. And I think what's more important is physicality, how they're going to handle press, how they're like, that's what's more important to me. So that's where if you're worried about Jordan Addison for that reason, sure. Very valid. Thought he really struggled against guys that got physical. He got super jumpy in his release. Um, then guys just mixed up and used soft shoe releases against him. Hashtag soft shoe, hashtag scout terms. Um, but, you know, and he was blanketed a lot. So if that's your concern about him as an outside receiver, I hear you. Perfectly fair. He seemed to struggle with physicality rather than he's 5'11, 170. Like, sure, the size is, it's kind of like when you talk about arm length. Like, if, if you really give a shit about the arm length, you'll see it in various aspects of how they play the game. Um, so I care about that more. Zay Flowers never really struggled with physicality. Josh Downs never really struggled with physicality. Um, five nine guys don't give a shit. Um, Size isn't a skill. No. no, size is not a skill, and I will always come back to that. And and you do make great points. And again, I I can see Flowers just because if you want him to be the one that does the Rondale Moore kind of kick ass stuff after the catch and can win over the top and have his moments, like he'll he'll flip the field for you a few times as a rookie for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's tough. I. I think all of those guys, like I can see all of them missing. That's why people aren't high on them in the media and things like that. I can see all of them missing. I genuinely love Njigba. Um, if he's there, slam dunk. But yeah, I mean, it's it's time to to get over the bed. So the, uh, get over the hump. And I think, again, like it's like, all right, let's say you lose Odell. Then you have Bateman and one of those guys and Aguilar. And I kind of hated it this entire time. As soon as Odell was signed, everyone was like, Get another receiver still, please. Get another receiver still, please. 
But I think like you just said, Jake, it's like it's time. It's time to be so over the hump that you can't not be over the hump. And I think adding one of those guys, I mean, Flowers put up ridiculous numbers. He's a consistent threat over the last couple of years. And um, you know, adding that element again, even if you do love a corner slightly more, something like that, someone's slightly ahead. With Lamar, that's that's where Lamar comes into play for me. Like you have to do it this year. You have to get the onus off of you. You have to fix your strength and training room. You have to have a competent offensive coordinator that everyone shuts the fuck up about. And you have to have enough receivers because if we if like if we've been feeling it, if we've been feeling the exhaustion just covering the team lightly as we have, they are feeling it tenfold. They get asked about it nonstop. So um They'll they'll secede to the to Ravens Twitter I think here and yeah and it's just like like help yourself out right like you have the benefit of the doubt at some of these other position positions like you have the benefit of the doubt at cornerback in my opinion you have the benefit of the doubt a little bit at edge like I know there's been some hits and some misses at some of these other positions but like you do not have that same benefit of the doubt at wide receiver and you got to your point a new coordinator coming in you've got a quarterback in a very weird situation. Who knows if he's even going to be practicing throughout the entirety of the summer? Like you, you know, you, you got to set yourself up to really avoid any margin for error here with this position because it really put them in a bind last season. And I know it maybe it wouldn't have even mattered with Lamar missing as many games as he did or like missing every game down the stretch, basically. But it just it did not look like a modern offensive operation last season. It it was embarrassing at times to watch, and uh, they probably were embarrassed by the product they had on the field there as far as the passing game went. So don't put yourself in that position again. You guys are converting me a bit because just the fact that they probably have, like, I'm pretty confident they have a handshake deal with Yasin set up, ready to go. Um, but you could also may say the same thing about Justin Houston and the need of Ed Edge, just where it's kind of like that vet that just keeps coming back, right? Like, I I don't know, maybe he's waiting um, and there's no rush for him. I feel like if he was going somewhere else, he'd be signed already, um, just me personally. But it's just one of those things where, those are your three things where the key I, there is if he were going somewhere else, he would have. That's right. Him. That's how I feel about it. Just because for your own market, you don't want the, the teams to shrink. I mean, there's injuries in camp and he's obviously going to get signed, but you guys know what I'm saying. Um, I think they go one of three ways. I think it's edge corner or um, receiver. I would be surprised if they go O-line um, personally, but just, you know, I think they go one of those three ways. There's two, vets where I think they could easily have handshake deals in place. Wide receiver does make a lot more sense. For sure. And again, going through here. So let's say first round, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, Deontay Banks, Joey Porter Jr., Forbes. I would say in the top 50, Cam Smith is probably also gone. Um, Maybe a Ringo or a Turner, maybe a Stevenson. Um, then you get to kind of this point where there's Darius Rush out of South Carolina that has 18 picks and pass breakups. He's six foot two, runs a four three. Uh, Corey Trice out of Purdue is six three, two hundred pounds, and is a physical press corner. Uh, the kid out of Illinois, Jatavis Martin, Garrett Williams. I know you love Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, who who did tear his ACL, but was a prolific, you know, ball player and ball hawk, all that good stuff. It's like. You get through here and there's just so many over six foot one cornerbacks that can press that fit the Ravens MO. And I bet if DJ Turner didn't run a four two whatever he ran, like he probably would be a Raven because of Mike McDonald. Um, But there's just so many tall press corners. Jacorian Bennett. I love he's probably a nickel ish weird type of guy. 
Rajon Wright out of Oregon State, another tall prep. Like, there's so many. This is the receiver year that Jake, you and I always joke about, the bubble bursting. It's like the corners are striking back against that this year. There are like 15 draftable six foot one and taller corners that ran under a four five that have ball production on their resume and are multi year starters. So for as many kids that grew up wanting to play wide receiver, there's a lot more of them now. That also means there are a lot more kids that grew up wanting to play wide receiver and had everything but the hands or grew up as a villain and wanted to shut those kids up. Yeah, there you go. And there's more of them to shut up now. So it's just a true surplus all, all across the board. Caillou Blue Kelly, Stanford, six foot, 190, you know, like so many corners. There's like, there's like only two slot corners in the top 30. It's Clark Sterling Thomas from UAB and then the kid from TCU. Yeah. Uh, and there's that feels like the last like five years, Cole. Every year there's like 15. That's a lie. There's three. There's Clark Phillips from Utah. But yes, you know what I'm he saying? Like the corner, and I think he I think he can play some outside corner yeah. probably for you. Uh, but but every year it's like it's kind of like how we're talking about receivers this year. It kind of feels like how we usually talk about corner. It's like there's a lot slot of slot guys. guys, a lot of slot guys, not as many outside guys. This this year it's a lot different. It's definitely a different flavor in the class. Um, Julius Brent's another guy. I think he's six two. Kid out uh, of Kansas State. State. Um, so he's, yeah, there's a lot of guys. And so it's, that's what I meant earlier by like, sure. You can go with the top dogs. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You can go with G- Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Banks, Porter. That all makes sense. Or it's like, wait till the third round. And I'm still dipping into a guy that I don't need to start day one because of my wing, wing, nudge, nudge with Yasin, but I'm going to develop this kid right behind them. I have good depth. Um, you know, suddenly corners in a good spot for the team. Hundred percent, and I know I don't. I, I guess kind of the the place I kind of want to have somewhat finishing thoughts. We're going to do a live stream on Thursday. Cole, of course, you can hop on. Whoever else, we'll, we'll have some other people. We're going to be chopping it up. Can get into kind of the later round guys, whatever. But I guess the other side of the coin then is okay. They do take a first round corner. Cole, who who to you of that top group do you think fits McDonald's defense and is a slam dunk? Let's say Witherspoon and Gonzalez are gone. Of that, I guess, quote unquote, second tier of, of corners, who's the one that you wanna you wanna stamp? I'm gonna probably stick with I'm gonna go with Emmanuel Forbes. And the reason I'm gonna do that is because what they're losing before they traded for Marcus Peters, there was a huge need for like the defense was good, but there was no one who could take the ball away. And I think our, there was a stat for over like 2018 into 2019, like before that trade, they were like 29th and takeaways as a defense um but they were still a good defense i'm not saying they were bad but they just didn't they, they didn't make big plays um and so i think he brings that aspect that's the aspect you're losing with marcus peters that was the kind of the sweet thing about bringing marcus peters in it's like he doesn't have to be a lockdown number one because you have marlon humphrey now he can kind of just play his riskier game and the ravens immediately benefited from it um peters was a ball hawk and that's kind of the win-win. And so that's how I feel about Forbes. I think he would Forbes come in. Forbes kind of built like Marcus Peters. Like Peters is heavier, but he kind physical of Physical as fuck, too. Yes. Like he's plays he's, physical. Marcus Peters is physical in like a street fight way. Forbes stuck. A ba- yeah. I think it was Gibbs stuck. If, a Bama if someone mentions his weight one more time, I'm going to flip. Like Unless your weight is purely injury concern, 
it's it, again, it goes back to sizes and his skill. He doesn't play like he's 166 pounds, so I don't give a shit. You don't see him getting bullied like he's not ever if armed at the catch point. Well, like, dude, he like, wants to smoke. He's not getting AJ Brown. Maybe AJ Brown will AJ Brown him, but AJ Brown, AJ Brown, Marlon Humphrey in a playoff game once. So, yeah. um, kid started as a true freshman. 2020 in the COVID year and made plays in SEC yep. games, did it again, did it again. And true junior. He is 22, I think, but he's a true junior. Um, so I, I do love Forbes. Joey Porter Jr. I, th- I feel like, like Ra- the Ravens fan base loves him because of Joey Porter Sr. Partially. Um, I like him. Again, I like him as a cover three kind of Dan Quinn defense structure kid. Um, Banks. Again, I like the Byron Jones comp. I I like Forbes too because I think Forbes, simply put, at the stem, playing off coverage, doing those kinds of things, looks like he knows what the fuck he's doing all the time. Banks loses the ball. Banks kind of has some weird moments against the run. Um, I'm fine with him. I'm cool with him. I think you're looking at, okay, we have a big, physical, strong, explosive guy we can press with. But I don't know that that's McDonald's defense as well. Um, and I think McDonald's here to stay unless he gets a head coaching job in the next year or two, which I wouldn't be shocked by, but Forbes, I think screams the versatility in off coverage and zone coverage. And again, like you said, Cole is not going to be bullied in the run game. Like as badly as many first round corners we see, see are. Uh, so would you take him at 22? Yeah, I would. I would take him at 22. I would take him at 22 because of the, what he does in off coverage it's impossible for it not to translate. And the SEC had a lot of advanced route concept stuff that he jumps and he knows and he can turn and run. He runs 4-3. He can turn. He can flip his hips. Um, there are moments of sloppiness in his transitions, but that's like nitpicking. So, um, yeah, I, I think the light, the the stick boys, the Ravens are not the old Ravens. They have a lot of light boys. They, they don't give a shit about weight, I feel like. Their defense is very light. Like Adafe Owe, Ajabo, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith. A lot of those dudes are very light in terms of pounds. So he's only like two weeks older than Deontay Banks, too. There, there's a lot of 22 year olds. Yes, there like are. Weatherspoon's a 22 year old, too. I think Gonzalez is the only one who's 21. I might be wrong. Uh, no, Joey Porter is, too, I think, but he might be turning 22. No, he's, tw- he's the oldest. He is? Joey Porter will be 23 first out of Whoops. all of those guys. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go. That's that's kind of my predictions there. I, th- I think stockish. Um, I think they go slender boys. I think they go light. I think they go Addison. It's light boy summer. Light boy summer. Skinny skinny boy summer. Me playing flag football, I'm not going to get picked this year. <laughs> Someone texted me the other day, like, do you want to play flag football this summer? I was like, no. <laughs> Can I hit someone? No. <laughs> what is um, – I want to ask – both of you what is what is the worst case here what why are we pissed if we end thursday and i guess go through the draft what's up if they pick a running back other than Bijan in the first round oh that would be anger inducing i know you're high on gibbs but i just i did i did did have gibbs i I pushed out i did have gibbs as my number one back for a little while in the first round is my caveat there i would add quarterback like if they go with like hooker as like a yeah, I think that would piss me off be real bad. bad. That would be it'll just really it'll bad. just signal the end. Like Hooker, that it's like Hooker what the would fuck are we doing? Specifically, like, piss me off. They just it's signed Beckham to like a one-year deal here, for all that money. You you can't yeah. do that. That's so it would make no sense. It would make no sense in the prism of what they have done this off season. 
Even if for some weird reason Anthony Richardson fell, I'd still be mad just because Hooker's going to be 26 in January. Yeah, that's gross. Is it during uh, this season? During this regular season, he'll be 26 years old. Is Do it- we want to quickly touch on Darnell Wright? Because that would that pissed a lot of people off when Schrager had him in the mock. Yeah, give me give me your thoughts. The guy with the face. <laughs> I, I I like Darnell Wright. It's nothing about Darnell Wright. I I I and I think he can play guard. So that is one thing where it's like if your O line is Stanley Wright, Linderbaum, Zeitler. Moses, I, that's a good offensive line. So it's like getting better up front is never a bad thing. Um, but again, it comes down to value for your money. Like I think I'm a big believer in you're only as good as your weakest link on the offensive line. Um, we've seen it time and time again, no matter whether it's bad to have two bad players, especially when they're side by side, um, but they will target your worst player. They targeted the hell out of Bradley Bozeman 2019 when he played left guard um, and Scurro was kind of that they're not great. Um, and so that left side, a gap was exposed, but uh, so, but I think you can get away with specifically your left guard. The, if you were to build the perfect O line, your left guard is going to be your weak link. That's many, always many, the way see that come to fruition most of the time. Exactly. And it's just, it's the lowest value. I played left guard. I can vouch for this. I was the worst of the starting five on my team. It is what it is. Um, but usually you want, you know, your right side to be the big, powerful bullies. You want your left side to be the pass protectors. Usually your left guard is your best pass protecting smaller guard. And it just is what it is. I'm fine if that's Ben Cleveland. Like, I think they'll be fine. Um, there'll be times where he'll drive you crazy. I'm and- sure there's someone in the later rounds you can get that you can play. As yeah, well. they're going to add someone like a Savala or John Gaines or Antonio Mafi. It would have been a great year to need uh, a gap guard because there's a bunch of those big, big boys that I think could do it. But um, there's, there's, I'm not worried about finding a left guard. So I think as much as I like Darnell Wright and it would give you a lot of flexibility to get your best five out there, I get all those reasonings, but it's just, there's just with five picks and you stuck and picked at 22, it's, you need that pick at 22 to, to come in and be like a stud. So it's just going to be, it's going to be a tough one if they go with an offensive lineman. I would like right. I think having a contingency plan at tackle quickly. I think our, our Prince Falele, um, Worried about him. Worried about those zone comments. Scheme Minnesota, but it's a very different zone scheme than than I will think what Munkin's going to roll with. I think he kind of might just float out into irrelevancy without Roman. Um, I think that was a Roman Roman type pick, unfortunately. When they started talking about him playing guard, I was like, wow. red flag." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. Uh oh. Um, I'm an idiot. So, I don't know anything. Right. I think. <laughs> right. I think is gigantic. I think he can dent a hole. I think he has super nimble feet. He has a good set point shoots his hands, all of that stuff. And Morgan Moses going down, I think, would suck very badly, very quickly too. So um, I get it. I, I, I do think of the receivers you take, I would pro- if I had to bet, I would probably bet that like Darnell Wright is a more impactful player than those receivers become over the course of their career. Um, so I wouldn't be pissed at it. But again, I, I do think it's the year, like you said, try and add something to that room that receiver room and get something out there this year that no matter what, no matter if you have an injury or two in the room, no matter what happens, nobody's talking about it. It's not in your mind. It's not in the press's mind and get over the hump. So I think it does ultimately go corner or receiver and stock there. So 
I'm fine with either. Boys, what is the, uh, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but what is the vibe beyond day one of this draft without a second round pick with not a whole lot of picks to work with, especially relative to what they usually have spent? I know you said you're not huge on this class beyond the, uh, the first round or two. Uh, what's, what's the vibe here? I love the backs. Um, I do not hate the idea of adding. Uh, there are three down backs, I think, in like the fourth round. Like realistic, somebody's going to start year two, year three out of this class. Tank Bigsby, uh, Ty J Spears, uh, Zach Charbonnet is not going to be there when the Ravens pick if they if they were to stick through this, this draft pretty much. Uh, I think Sean Tucker is... Eh, no, I'm not going to throw Sean Tucker in there. Zach Evans, Kenny McIntosh, um, guys, Kendra Miller, guys that can play quickly and can be a force. I like the backs, the corners. Like I said, there's the Ravens are probably going to have the opportunity in the third round to take three or four corners they think could probably really push Brandon Stevens in a worst case scenario to start um, on the outside and, and be physical and, and play that way and give safety help too. Um, Cole said he likes some of the guards. I'll let you get into that, but that's, that's really the two areas I'm looking for the Ravens Add another running back edge defender wise weird. We didn't talk about edges a ton. weird, weird, weird edge class. Um, I don't know one. There's a lot of really, really old edges and a lot of guys that like switch positions in college, um, have weird frames or just something I hate. Derek Hall out of Auburn is one that I really like as a potential third-round option. I don't know if he's there, but someone that I think is a nice mix-up of the group that they currently have with Ajabo and Bowser and Owe uh, to go set a mean fucking edge and be a, a thick body. Um, so I guess those are those are positions I'm looking at. Cole, Cole, what do you what do you jump into on this this day day two plus class? Mm -hmm. A, a tackle that can play guard would be interesting to me. I know they always love that versatility. Um, there's a the kid from Who comes Maryland. to mind for you in that sense. The kid from Maryland, I think, could do it. Um, I think he could handle the – what's his name? Jalen Duncan. Jalen Duncan. Sorry. I, I was completely – no, yeah, yeah. um, So he's someone that really intrigues me. Um, City Sal is a guy that I personally just want because he's from Eastern Townships in Quebec, which is like two hours from me, so I have a lot of respect for him and just – he literally went to like a SAGEP and then a, uh, which is SAGEP is like kind of like junior high, but it's the transition from high school to university in Quebec. It's a weird thing. Um, but it's just crazy that he's gotten this far coming from where he came from and not going to a prep school. Um, so City Sal is a guy I'm super high on. Um, with the guards, there's a few guys that kind of intrigue me. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm looking right now just to make sure I have the kid's name right. Oh, God, I can't even think of what school he's from. Let me just double-check my notes. Right Small here. school, big school. Oh, McClendon Curtis um, is a guy from Chattanooga. Um, I didn't watch any of him. We saw a little bit of him last year watching Strange. So, I mean, he was a guy that popped out. He's a big-ass boy. Um, again, if this was a year where we were trying to find a guard for Roman scheme, I would be like, get one in the fifth. You'll, you'll be able to work with them. But I do think the concern around the tackle depth especially in a scheme like I think we're going to see from uh, like, if you're going to run more of a spread out scheme, you need better pass protecting. So, um, you know, they may need to get a tackle that uh, at least a guy that can, that, that can compete at tackle to go out there and play with McCary, play with uh, um, Stanley. Uh, and obviously, Oh my God, he's who's our right tackle. 
Morgan Moses. Morgan Moses, Christ. Um, so there's a couple of those guys. Um, some of the edge guys intrigue me. The, the kid from Georgia um, that was an older prospect, uh, he ran like a 4-5. Um, he stood out to me a few times. It's not Nolan Smith. It was the guy playing with Nolan Smith. Um, can't think of his name. but You're saying uh, the edge defender from Georgia? Yeah. Do you know uh, his name? Uh, Earl? I'm blanking. Hold on. Let me see if I can. I have all of these in my notes. They're just all over the place. Anyway, he was a guy that stood out to me. Um, but, you know, one thing that I was a little worried about, I don't think the Sam need is as high with uh, – with this team or with this this defense, um, but a guy I think that you have I think off. you have three Sams really. Yeah, and and you and I talked about this a lot. Like, do they need a guy that can slide inside, like the the edge setter that can slide inside? That might be Owen. We saw it last year um, towards the end of the year where they did a little. That I want him to gain him. weight. I want him to gain strength and play a more physical game so badly. The four three stuff. Are you talking about Robert Beal? Robert Beal. I just found it. Yeah. So I wasn't sure Beal, for a second, I thought you might have meant Clemson because I know you love KJ Henry. He ran a four four. He ran a four four and a yeah. thirty. Yeah, he ran four four. You know, he has almost thirty five inch arms, so it's just a guy that's like he's not a great football player, but he's just got the physical tools. Gamble on him and see what you can hit. Um, so that's a guy that intrigued me as I was going through. There's a kid out of. Uh, um, I really wish I had all the names listed. I didn't prepare for the late round. Um, I took him in one of my mock drafts. Uh, B.J. Thompson out of Stephen F. Tom, uh, Stephen F. Austin again, an athletic freak, um, long guy that can rush the passer. So someone, I, I just want to get someone that can add some juice to the pass rush game. Um, what I was trying to there's say a is lot, like, there's a lot. This is a really weird class of guys that jumped well and ran four yeah. four and had like uh, Byron Young out of Tennessee is ridiculous. K.J. Henry, your boy, I think yep. ran four six. Yeah, I think Zach Harrison's a monster. Yaya Diaby is super old. He's yep. another juiced up one. Um, this There's is a, a lot, a lot of guys class. that could be designated pass rushers and just cause chaos in this. I class. just like that. We're not having to focus on like Kenny drop and coverage. It doesn't seem to matter anymore. And that's kind of a, you nice got thing. three guys that can yeah. too. like, uh, always not, you know, that's not what he should be doing, but he's done it. Uh, I just don't think it's as big of a requirement with the kind of the way. McDonald put not as together. much as it was in win. Like there's elements that's of it right. still, they still want to be able to drop off, but it's like, they really only want Bowser to actually be matching. We're not going to see Justin Houston 20 yards downfield. Well, you, you're only going to, we've only seen him ask Bowser really to go match a back or a tight end out of the backfield or off the line. And that makes sense because Bowser's always done it so well. So mm-hmm. um, there's, there's less elements of that for sure, but yeah. definitely a juiced up day two, day three. Like there's a lot of, Really explosive guys, some of them that can bend but have no modicum of knowledge of how to use their hands in this class. And I think that kind of is even at the top. I would, I could th- even throw Miles Murphy into that yep. a little bit. Um, I think you could even maybe throw Nolan Smith into that a little bit. Yep. Uh, Tuli, I love Ojalari and, and McDonald. I have them ahead of both. Both of them, Ojale- both of them know what they're doing for yes. sure. Um, I hate, fun. I hate Foskey, not interested in Foskey at all. And I bet they – I think there's a solid shot the Ravens take him. I think they love Notre Dame. I think, like, Harbaugh loves Notre Dame or something. He would. Um, uh, yeah, that <laughs> – let, let me just say, yes, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they like that. And maybe Hamilton's got a guy and Foskey he was looks like a, I mean, they did take Dalen Hayes, too. So maybe, <laughs> maybe they've already been burned a little bit. Um, then our boy Brenton Cox out of Florida, too. Uh, another kind of tweener-ish, not really an edge, but a little bit of one. Um, physical guy so 
yeah, edges, backs, corners. Like if I'm making a mock draft, I go wide receiver corner. I go the other one, and then I go at a back. I go at an edge rusher, and well, uh, usually Jacorian a Bennett pick. You have to a Jacorian Bennett or uh, <laughs> a um, a guard as well. Savala. Everybody loves Savala at NC State because I think because there's so many fun tapes of him and Icky like getting sick with it. That's it. Um, those were those were super fun. So. Day three, I mean, Jonathan Mingo, I've talked about on Twitter a ton. I, I don't think he's going day three. I think he's going round two. I don't think the Ravens touch him, but I fucking love that guy. Uh, Tillman, I think, can play some ball. I hate Rasheed Rice. I'm out on Rasheed Rice. And uh, we'll have some more takes. We'll have some more takes for you on Thursday. Cole's dying of allergies, and he's got little kids and stuff. It's been over an hour. He said he would do 45 minutes. I think he has no idea it's been over an hour, maybe. So, uh I could talk yeah. to you all I tell him to go. I was going to tell him to go get some Claritin, but it's clear that he's like drowning in Claritin. I told you guys it was going to like build up as it's not even. He's like doing this the whole time. Like just like staring at my screen. <laughs> but yeah, your, no. Your roof of your mouth is super it. itchy right now and you're just I'll dying. be hopping on with you guys on Thursday. And yeah, like it's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be a weird year. Um, it's been weird all the way through weird draft match, just a weird off season. So it's going to set up perfectly. Right there with you. So yeah, it is going to be fun. So the uh, the live stream uh, for details on that, uh, obviously stay tuned. But just a general outline of it is, we're going to fire it up um, for anyone who's followed us before we joined this program. It was always we would fire it up right around the time the telecast got going, maybe even a little bit before, just kind of bullshit around a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more crowded uh, this year because Eric and Taylor, I think, are going to be on throughout the majority of it with us as well. So we'll have kind of a four man weave going and you know, popping guests in and out and if and where necessary, maybe I'll pop out and let somebody else kind of take the stage a little bit uh, and just sort of, you know, run point producing and things of that nature. But yeah, going to be firing it up. Like I said, uh, right around or before the telecast gets going and just kind of roll through to the Ravens pick. Um, we'll kind of see what happens with that then from there because they're, they're at 22. So it'll be getting later in the night. If we feel like we want to stick around and continue to really, uh, um, analyze their pick or continue to watch uh, Taylor is Taylor and Eric are like going to run their mouths and it's going to be perfect. Yeah. They, I mean, those guys are going to, they'll have a lot to say no matter what, but, um, he was hammered last year arguing about Tyler Linderbaum and I, I was here for it. Yeah, no, we, um, <laughs> we really got into one last year from what I remember too. So yeah, it'll be, yeah. Uh, Cause it was a fun year. Everybody was pumped. It was like 37 draft picks. Hollywood draft got traded. Five. They draft Hamilton. Like, yep. They Linder have another first round pick suddenly out of nowhere. You yep, brought the primo Linder. position guy into the first day of drafting a safety in the center, and it was like, all right, let's get it, boys. Yeah. So I mean, as, <laughs> get after it. They as, traded as, a primo position stud, and then drafted two, <laughs> and then drafted two non primo positions. Yeah, exactly. So as juiceless as you know, the draft has been for me. Um, you know, up to this point, it's it's still going to be a lot of fun. Uh, draft night. I love. Love draft, love um, love all the pomp and circumstance and the storylines and everything. So it's going to be great. So tune into that. Uh, we've got other stuff coming out this week as well. I think we might have an episode also on the feed right now as you're listening to this. It's, I think, just Taylor and Eric. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Brian's actually, uh, he went on a cruise uh, this week after tax season with uh, his, his lovely lady. Uh, they're down in the uh, the Caribbean or something like that on a, on a boat, and he's just drinking all the daiquiris, dac banks. So he will not be uh, part of the festivities this week. Um, so yeah, Taylor and Eric on the feed as well today, talking just general stuff, some Orioles, things like that. As Cole pops out of here, uh, we'll, we'll see if he comes back. But either way, um, let's see. Private chat. 
He's hopping out. He's going to die. He needs water. Ha, ha, ha. So check him out at Cole Jackson FB. Check out his writing at BaltimoreRavens.com. He's a guest writer for them doing some draft stuff. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, try and remain involved with them as well. Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens for dummies. That's the number four. Exit 52 podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are brought to you guys. As always, by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. I think they've got a draft party going on Thursday night if you want to check that out. If not, obviously ride with us. Also brought to you by Fed Thrill Sunglasses. And of course, our boys over at Black Eyed Susan Spice Co. It's promo code EXIT52 for both Fed Thrill and for Black Eyed Susan if you want to get yourself uh, a little bit of a uh, rebate on their awesome stuff. So go and check that out. Thank them for their support. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we, Like I said, we'll talk to you again very soon, um, if not before the draft, then at the draft on Thursday night. It's going to be a ton of fun. Thanks again, and we shall see ya. See ya. Reproduction. <laughs> what is it you want to do when you grow up?